Hey, this is Life Coach David. Thanks for listening to the Law of Attraction podcast. And I hope whoever is listening is attracting and manifesting everything you want. Because we're supposed to. We're supposed to attract what we want. And once you know how, it can be easy. It takes practice, but it can be easy. And if you've been listening, I have been reading and discussing the book, Excuse Me, Your Life is Waiting, by Lynn Grabhorn. And we're going to continue with that today. Before I get started, I always like to remind whoever is listening, if you want to attract what you want, manifest what you want, feel happier and stay that way. You know, it's one thing to feel happier temporarily, but with this type of coaching, You'll learn how to feel happier and stay that way. You'll know what to do. And of course, it's a double win when you keep yourself feeling as happy as possible because from a law of attraction point of view, like attracts like. So the happier we keep ourselves feeling, the more we're going to attract circumstances and experiences that match that. Yes, and that feels really good when that happens. So please contact me through lifecoachdavid.com or email me at david at lifecoachdavid.com if you want to talk about how coaching can help you. So let's get back to the book, Excuse Me, Your Life is Waiting, and we're actually starting chapter three. And this chapter is entitled, No, No, Not That, Step One. Here we go. I was driving down the freeway one day, listening to a favorite Neil Diamond tape, not focused on much of anything when I realized I had one of those funny little knots in my stomach, the kind that feels like there's a serious hole in your gut with a not-so-gentle breeze sailing through. Something was off-base somewhere, and good old expanded self was sending me a clear signal to pay attention to my feelings, but since nothing came to mind, I decided to ignore it. That was a big mistake. I let my thoughts wander, paying little attention to the very obvious red flag I was feeling. Sure enough, my meandering thoughts wandered right into one of those loans I was in the process of closing. At the time I was running my own mortgage company, a business that finds the best interest rates for people who want to buy or refinance their homes, and then arrange for the funding and ultimate closing of the loan. We were almost ready to close this young couple's loan when some sticky problems showed up, and I wasn't sure I could solve them. That in itself was bad enough, so near the finish line, but the worst of it was that these kids were really counting on this loan to end some of their grisly financial troubles. So here's my focus 100% on what I did not want to happen, the loan to fall through, I've got red flags of negative feelings flying all over the place. A little dread, a little guilt, a large helping of gloom, and I'm ignoring them. The results of that negative energy flow were immediate. I had about one more mile of music before the tape player started eating my Jonathan Livingston Siegel cassette. About two miles after that, I was squeezed right into a four-lane traffic jam from daytime road work. About 20 minutes and another mile after that, I get rear-ended. Just a rear bump by some dude further away in the Midland than I was. About 10 minutes after that, I spilled the rest of my coffee all over a file of original loan papers. And when I finally got out of that 
mess and made it to a telephone, the lender told me the loan had fallen through. Considering how I had been flowing my energy, I was hardly surprised. I knew exactly what had happened, what a dork I had been, and exactly what I had to do, and fast. What had happened? What had caused that whole chain of pesky events? Was it just coincidence, a nasty string of unlucky circumstances? Not on a bet. It's how every single one of us has been creating our days since nursery school, focusing on all the stuff around us we didn't like, didn't want, and feeling helpless as we watched it get worse. We've been living a life we felt was largely at the mercy of forces outside of ourselves over which we had no control. I mean, how many of us would take credit for having a lousy boss, being robbed, getting laid off, or catching the flu? And how many of us would not blame the government or the economy, or our families, or the system, for all that's wrong in our lives. Oh sure, we'll take credit for some of it, the things we've set out to do, and did, but will we honestly be willing to take responsibility for every last thing that's ever happened to us? Not likely. There's a world of closet sufferers walking around this planet who will swear to you on their new Toyotas that they hardly ever have a negative thought. They'll tell you their life is just fine and that they're quite happy. Yet, these are the same people who will tell you that life is never fair, it's full of trials, and that we must all learn to take our share of knocks. But yes, they're quite happy, thank you. Never got all they might have liked, but we must take life as it's dealt, so yes, they're quite content. To which I say, bull. We cannot flow negative energy of any kind, in any degree, in any amount, and be happy. And that means anything from mild irritations, to normal, no-feeling, flatlining, to perpetual dread. It is a psychological impossibility to be happy with that kind of energy flowing out, because we're flowing two different vibrations that activate two different external and internal results. Closet sufferers are victims, plain and simple, just as most of us have been at one time or another, viewing our world as the result of uncountable circumstances over which we believed we had no control. We've all been there, or are there. It's simply a matter of how much of the victim myth we've chosen to buy into and live. But we don't have to stay there. In fact, once you start to really see this magnetics business in action, it becomes pretty hard to ignore the glaring evidence. Our lives have been molded by the daily flow of our energy, not by luck, fate, circumstance, or a rich uncle. When you stop to think that we spent decades questioning what's wrong with everything, therefore focusing on all the things in our world we didn't like, didn't want, or wanted to change, it's little wonder we've attracted such a barrel full of trials. No human being can be so continually disconnected from their source energy and get to wherever it is they want to go. So here's the flash. Continuing to live life as a victim of circumstance, forever focusing on what's wrong with everything and everybody, will never ever bring the life desired. It'll only bring one thing. More of whatever it is we're wanting so desperately to change. And that's the end of that section. And that goes back to 
the similar theme of what we focus on is what we're setting ourselves up to attract. So of course, if we're focusing on what is, and what is is something we don't want, we're going to keep attracting it. So it's very important to constantly check in with yourself and ask yourself, am I thinking about what I want or what I don't want? And if it's about what you don't want, you have to flip those thoughts to what you do want. And it kind of sounds easy and it can be, but of course it could be challenging if you're not aware of your thoughts all the time. So let's continue on. The next section is called Recipe for Creation. The recipe for creating anything is really quite simple. Take good or bad feelings, meaning positive or negative vibrations, <laughs> bake with varying degrees of emotion to increase magnetism, and here comes what we've attracted, like it or not. What we have focused on and how we have vibrated about it is what we have gotten from birth. So if we've been in a constant search for ways to fix all the things around us we don't like, or even if we have allowed them to be there but still haven't liked them, then we've been in a constant state of focusing on what we haven't wanted for years. It takes only 16 seconds to link up vibrationally to whatever we're focusing on. That's right, only 16 seconds of pure, focused thought, good or bad, negative or positive. In that brief time, we start to vibrate on the same frequency as whatever it was we've been emotionally thinking about, which means we're ripe for attracting that thing, if we keep it up. Needless to say, we've all had an ocean full of things we've thought about over and over in repetitious 16-second segments. All those vibrations of frustration, tension, and concern over the countless things we didn't want, didn't like, couldn't handle, didn't know what to do with, or thought we had to put up with. Which is why, for most of our lives, we've continued to attract more of the same. Isn't that charming? Up to now, that's the fundamental way we've been sculpting our lives by this ceaseless attention to all the things we could do without, producing an increasing undertow of negative tension. Remember, I'm not talking daily rage here, just that perpetual silent murmur of gotta fix that, gotta do it better, gotta make it right, gotta find out why. That's called either quiet concern or not in the gut. And on the other side of the same coin, it's called gotta accept it, gotta live with it, nothing I can do about it, like it or not. Same thing, same vibrations. This is why it's so important for us to have a broad understanding of just what negative emotion is, how covertly it works, how to spot it, why we keep having it, and oddly enough, how truly vital it is to the process of taking control. So please don't look at this chapter on negative as negative. It's the secret component of getting us where we want to go. Imagine being a youngster turned loose in the biggest, brightest toy store you've ever seen in the whole wide world and being told you can help yourself to whatever you want. Wow, it's almost too far out to imagine. Yet that's what our universe is. One gigantic toy store where everything we ever wanted to play with is either already there for the pickings or waiting to be created. 
All we have to do is feel what we want and magnetize it in. Let's say, for example, that here in your magic toy store, there's an exciting new job waiting for you. Or maybe it's your next house, the one with every conceivable luxury and more silly gadgets than you've ever seen. Around the corner, there's a fantastic new relationship or a polished up old one. And there it is. There's your updated body with all the appropriate corrections. This is terrific, but where are all of these goodies going to come from? Are they just going to fall from the sky or come from our guardian angels in the outfield? No, they're going to come from you. To pull them in, all you have to do is want them with a gut-blasting, feel-good vibration. See, it's all up to you. If what you want is something you're focusing on and thinking about, you're going to attract it. But it's up to you to keep your thoughts where you want them. And the next section is called Moldy Old Beliefs. It's hard for us to swallow the concept that what has been in life has absolutely nothing to do with what can be. That's diametrically opposed to how we think things work. Yet what has been, or whatever is in our face right this minute, is simply the result of how we flowed our energies in days gone by. It is not the way things are. What has been is not a result of anything or anybody out there, nor is it a result of good or bad luck, a result of being a good person, a righteous person, or a sanctimonious one. What has been has nothing to do with family or government or schooling. What has been in our life comes squarely from where our focus has been. And a major part of our focus has come from antiquated beliefs. These smelly old philosophies that were pounded into our heads or that we blindly accepted as reality from way back to toddler days. We were jammed full of them, and we still are. Archaic patterns of thought about what we think reality is. Thought patterns that frankly belong in the garbage can. And that's the end of that little section. And it really makes us think like, what old thoughts am I thinking that aren't serving me? Maybe at one point years ago, they served you for some reason, but now they're not serving you anymore. So think about what you're thinking about, and is it what you want? Is it a high vibration thought? Is it making you feel good? And if not, start turning your thoughts around to higher vibration, feel good thoughts about what you want. And the next section is called Fussing Father Fred. She has the funniest names for her sections of the book. But anyway, here we go. Fussing Father Fred. One summer many years ago, I was dating an Episcopalian priest. For a long time, I thought this guy was the be-all and end-all of the male race. He was tall, well-built, handsome, about 10 years my senior, bright, well-educated, and came from a lovely New England family. Just my kind of guy. Father Fred was a brilliant speaker, delivering educational as well as spiritual sermons, but his church was usually this side of empty. In an attempt to remedy the embarrassing situation, he would change his style, change his tone, 
change his organization of material, even change the altar dressings, but nothing seemed to work. People simply didn't like going to hear him or be around him. Those were carefree days for me. I was in my early 20s, hadn't really squared off on what I wanted to do with my life, and was finding my drinking to be more and more enjoyable. Since Father Fred apparently found the same degree of enjoyment in his imbibing, the two of us were having a blast. But blast or no, something was beginning to rub me the wrong way. It was subtle, but never stopped. Over drinks, out for dinner, immersed in parties, it seemed that no matter where we were or what we were doing, Fred was attacking something or someone in the church. It was as if he were obsessed. One night it would be a bishop, the next night it would be something about his improper training or low budget or the diocese restrictions on high services. His attacks seemed endless and they were starting to drive me nuts. I was no psych student, but this was absurd. When I finally asked him about it, his very matter-of-fact response was, that's the way I am. I have an ability to see what's wrong with things. The church is outdated and needs renovating, but it's not up to me to do it. I just have the talent to see what needs changing. Pretty soon I could see that Fred's approach to everything in life was as a grievance, not just the church. The world was a mess, everything needed changing or fixing, but he was never the one to do it. In fact, he felt incapable of doing much of anything, which is why I guessed he was so obsessed with conducting his services as flawlessly as possible. There, at least, he felt he could excel whether his church was empty or not. But for all his blunderbuss, Fred was truly afraid of authority. He said, I can't because this, I can't because that. And that was his litany. He couldn't get a raise, a secretary, a better allowance for his parish, not even a guest speaker when he wanted to go away. He could only focus on the fact that it would never happen. So of course, it didn't. Poor Fred lived in a perpetual world of don't wants, believing the more he focused on them and stewed about them, the better chance he had of making them go away. He saw himself as a helpless victim required to submit to the greatest powers that be who were wanting to stop his ecumenical rise in the bud. Looking back on it now, I can see why people didn't want to be around him. Although his sermons rarely reflected his negativity, folks intuitively picked up on his energy and didn't want any part of it. Again, this is an extreme example, they're the only ones I remember, of how most of us have lived, and yet, these kinds of moldy old beliefs, such as the powerful ones Fred had concerning authority and fate, are our biggest roadblocks to purposeful creating, because they come up and clobber us whenever we think we'd like to go take another direction. You know the kinds I mean. You think you'd like to get a new job, and up shoots the highly charged emotional thought, oh, I can't because this, I can't because that. Or a new car, oh, I can't get that, no. Or a new relationship, oh, no, 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 I really can't do that because blah, blah, blah. They are our ancestors' values and ethics about shoulds and if-onlys and rights and wrongs. They are outdated philosophies from our religions that tell us we can't have a better life until we check out of here 
or that only through suffering can we hope to achieve the kingdom of God. They are convictions about accomplishment and success and working and earning. They are beliefs that have compelled us to look forever for what's wrong with everything, convinced we might find ways to fix it all before we can move ahead with that job, the environment, our mate, the government, the schools, our kids, and mostly ourselves. Gotta fix that. Gotta fix it. Gotta fix it. Don't want it this way. Don't like it that way. I gotta fix it. Perhaps our most damaging beliefs, though, are the cherished ones we hold about how it's always the other guy's fault. Our bonehead leaders, our drunken families, our horny boss. We blame with the constancy of the rising sun, thinking there's nothing wrong with that because that's how the world operates. We're certain that blaming makes us feel better, and we do it some more and some more and some more, never having a clue how destructive such negative vibrations have been and are being to our lives. But here's the good news. No matter what today's parade of psychologists and counselors say to the contrary, we do not have to dig up all that useless junk to make life work out. With some simple tricks of the trade and the awareness that this is really no more difficult than paying attention to how we're feeling, we simply learn to override all that moldy old stuff that's kept us in prison for so long living an arduous life that we always thought was perfectly normal. And that's the end of that section. And even though her examples were a little dated, the idea is there that, you know, we all have these old beliefs that wherever we pick them up, we did. And it's preventing us from feeling happy and getting what we want and attracting what we want from manifesting what we want. So again, go back to how you're thinking. And where are you putting ceilings on what you think you can have? Are you blocking yourself from having everything you want or thinking, how am I going to get that? It's too expensive. How's that going to happen? Well, with the law of attraction, we don't know how it's going to happen. We just have to be in the vibration of it. So check in with your thoughts because that's what's keeping you or putting you in the vibration of what you want. And the next section is called Don't Wants. There's only one place negative energy, all negative energy, comes from. Our don't wants. Sometimes we call it guilt. Other times we call it fear or blame or worry or doubt. But for now, so that we can stay out of all the hackneyed psychiatrist junk, we're calling it all don't wants. Hard as it may be to believe, the majority of our daily thoughts and therefore feelings are about things we don't want. Big and little, here and there, now, back then, and in the future, this kind of thinking is endless, mostly automatic and unconscious, and horrendously restricting. Let's take a look. Here are some examples. We don't want to drive to work in bad weather. We don't want to be late to work. We don't want to displease the boss. We don't want to have the drought continue. We don't want to buy bad meat at the store. We don't want to look bad. We don't want to have our kids hurt. We don't want to get the flu. We don't want to get fired. <laughs> we don't want to stand in a long line. We don't want to get up in the morning. We don't want any more bills. We don't want to live in such a cold climate. We don't want the light to turn red. We don't want to get a divorce. We don't want to fail the test, etc., 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 etc. Now, granted, 
What are two of those things listed are nothing but choices we're making in the moment, so they're not going to elicit much emotion from us and therefore not do much damage. But as inconsequential as the rest of those items may seem, they definitely are not. Focus on anyone for any length of time and you'll see it in your face before you know what hit you. Even worse, the collective power of all the personal conscious and unconscious don't wants we speak out energetically all day long, that becomes the vibrational mixture that makes up our individual world. Like it or not, that mix of normally negative. Take, for instance, all those stale cobwebs from our past, our if-onlys. For example, if only I had different parents, if only I had gone to college, if only I had married that one, if only I had taken that job, if only I had switched lanes, if only, if only, if only. <laughs> if onlys are simply the past tense of don't wants. I didn't really want those parents. I didn't really want to search for work without a degree. I didn't really want an unhappy marriage. I didn't want such a poor paying job. I didn't want to get in that car accident, but I switched lanes. And then there are all those tricky negative wants, which are nothing more than don't wants in disguise. For example, I want to get well. I want to get out of debt. I want to lose weight. I want to stop smoking. I want our lousy marriage to shape up. I want my spouse to get a better job. You may think you're being positive by not stating a don't want, but where's your focus? It's taken dead aim on precisely what you don't want any more of in your life. And since we get what we focus on, hello, here it comes to meet you. Now, I'd be the first to agree with you when you protest that you are not a negative person. Most of us are not, thank God, like Father Fred. We enjoy life the best we can. We thrill at the sight of the summer. We thrill at the sight of the sunset. We toss small fish back in the water. We're pleased when friends get promoted. We laugh at our kids' unfunny jokes. We enjoy going out on Friday nights. We take pride in our accomplishments. We give credit where credit is due. We do what we can to bring joy into the lives of others as well as ourselves. And yet our endless life focus has been on don't wants. We don't want to have to work so hard. We don't want our car to break down. We don't want this. We don't want that. All day long we're doing that which just magnetizes in more of whatever it is we're not wanting. Let's say there's something about your job you don't like, or you drive a broken down car, or you've got a mate who's driving you bonkers. And let's say you think about this don't want again and again. Well, each time you go back to that subject and add another 16 seconds to it with some juiced up emotions, you're not only growing it and adding more power to it, you're making it a whole lot easier to think about. Whoa. Like cutting a trail in the jungle, you swack here and swack there, and pretty soon you have a nice clean path on which to trek back and forth. And so you do on the same subject. You think about it and think about it and think about it until pretty soon it's so easy to think about you could hardly get it out of your head. And before you know it, the very thing you haven't wanted to happen, happens. If you don't want real bad to have your new car nicked, you're a shoo-in to attract a matching vibration called jerk in parking lot. If you don't want really bad, unpleasant neighbors to move in next door, 
You're right for attracting nerds with barking dogs and keeping them there. <laughs> Her examples are so funny. If you don't want really bad any more problems with bills, those problems are sure to get worse. If you don't want really bad to be alone for the holidays, all right, you get the picture where I'm going. Whatever you include in your vibration for 16 seconds or longer is on its way to you, whether you like it or not. So when you're talking about all the things you don't want and flowing out only 16 seconds of feeling each time you talk about one of them, that thing has now become part of you, part of your everyday vibration. Pretty soon you're living it, not liking it at all vibrating it, talking about it, complaining about it, stewing over it, and making it an even stronger match to your daily vibration than it was in the first place. You are vibrating the very thing you do not want. Now that thing can't leave you. It's part of you. No matter how much you keep grumbling over it or worrying about it, it cannot leave. It is now included within your everyday vibration. And the more you live it, focus on it, and brood over it, the stronger your vibration becomes to match and hold the thing you really so badly don't want. And that's the end of that section. And that's why so many people attract what they don't want. Because that's what they're focusing on. So I think the whole theme of this reading today, this talk, is are you thinking about what is or what you want and even though what is is easy to get caught up focusing on because it's what we're experiencing if it's not what we want we have to focus on what we want so that what we want becomes our what is and if you need help doing that and you want some tools and ideas to help you please contact me for law of attraction coaching and you can reach me through lifecoachdavid.com or just email me david at lifecoachdavid.com. And all the coaching sessions are held over the phone, so it doesn't matter where you live. But it's just so important to know what to do so you can attract what you want and you can feel happier and live a wonderful life. So thanks again for listening. Practice what you learned today from this talk. Tune in soon for the next section. And as I always say, choose to have a high vibration day.